0: on Giants, your
1: daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trina, and it is Friday, July 2nd. And we are going to kick off the month of July by continuing our look at the various position groups on the New York Giants today. We're going to look at the defensive backs. And then coming up in segments two and three, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints joins the program as We begin our look at the Giants opponents in 2021. So the goal is going to be to try and get as many of the locked on hosts onto the program, have them talk about their respective teams and um, the weaknesses, the strengths, the names we need to know, and so on and so forth. And I can't think of a better way to kick it off than with Ross Jackson, who, if you didn't hear the program last week, Ross Jackson was kind enough to host or I should say moderate, the debate between myself and Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys over Eli Manning and whether or not he was a Hall of Fame quarterback or just overrated. So if you missed that program, you can find that on the Odyssey app. You can find that on Apple, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. There's a, a list of shows, and that was last Friday's show, so... All right, folks. So as uh, promised, we are going to continue our look at the various position groups on the New York Giants. And we're going to start this episode off with the defensive backs. We did the receivers the other day on Wednesday. So we're going to do the defensive backs today. Now to kick things off, I checked out the receiving team leaders last year. And of the top 10, Six of the teams that placed in the top 10 last year are on the Giants 2021 schedule. And those six teams, in order, are the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Cowboys, and Las Vegas. Now, the Giants, as everybody knows, last year they upgraded talent in their defensive secondary, but they were still missing a couple of pieces And they've since added, or they believe they have added, what they were missing. You know, they added a cornerback to an Adore Jackson. They've added another slot option in Aaron Robinson. They're going to have a healthy Xavier McKinney this year. So they're going to have more options in that defensive secondary. And, you know, we talk about how teams kind of build their rosters. And I think what flies under the radar somewhat is that sometimes teams – are driven by the opponents they're going to be facing. And just in looking at the opponents they're facing and what the strengths are, you know, that can sometimes influence how a team builds a roster. And the fact that the giants of the six opponents that I mentioned that were in the top 10 in the NFL, in terms of receiving yards, five of them are not in the division. Um, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, the Chargers, and Las Vegas. Now, most people would say, "Okay, well, the Giants or any team—you know—the concentration should be in beating the teams in your division," and that's true. You you face those teams twice a year, so obviously you want to win. But you can't ignore the rest of the competition that you're going to face. You can't just say, "Okay, you know what? Um, Washington has a great." quarterback situation, so we're going to have to load up and get pass rushers exclusively for Washington. Dallas has great receivers, so we're going to have to load up and get great defensive backs to stop them. You can't do that. And by the way, I know Washington doesn't have a, a stable quarterback situation, just an FYI. That was just an example. But um, the point I'm getting at is, is you have to pretty much cover as much ground as you can and look at your competition and say, okay, What are we up against and what are we going to address? You know, where were we weak last year that we need to address? And there was little to no doubt that because the Giants couldn't play man-to-man coverage a lot last year, that was a problem. There was little to no doubt that the pass rush was a problem. And, you know, basically the Giants, they're going to have to shut down some of these potent passing offenses. And if they had not upgraded their talent at the um, at the defensive back position, they probably would have gotten torched. So the Giants added talent to that group. And let me just run down who is currently on the 90-man roster. And then we'll talk a little bit about how this potentially is going to shake out. Okay, so let's start with the cornerback position. They have James Bradbury, Dory Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, Isaac Yadam, Rodarius Williams, Madre Harper, Jaron Williams, Chris Milton, and Sam Beal. Of those guys, my gut feeling says they're going to keep five. And uh, this is, of course, is based on there being no injuries. But the five I think they're going to keep are Bradbury, Jackson, Holmes, Robinson, and Harper which means Yadam, Williams, Williams Melton, and Beal are going to be on the outside looking in. They'll possibly land on the, on the practice squad, but um, I don't see them being amongst the five that I think the Giants are going to keep at that cornerback position. Now let's look at the safeties. They have on the roster Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, Nate Ebner is going to sign. At least that's uh, what Joe Judge indicated that they would like to re-sign him. He's not yet on the roster, but that transaction I, I think is coming any day now. As a matter of fact, um, they also have Montre Hardick, Josh Kalu, and Quincy Wilson, and a lot of those guys. I should add, at the safety position, they're they're more more or less special teams players. But the five that the Giants I think are going to keep at that spot. Ryan Peppers, McKinney, Love, and then uh, Ebner. Which, you know, once he signs, I think he's going to be the fifth guy. But he again, he's more of a special teams type. And you could see Hardage, uh, Kalu, and possibly Wilson on the practice squad. Which again, the practice squad is going to be extended, like it was last year. So the Giants in keeping five safeties, and I know that sounds like a lot, but I just have a feeling. You know, Patrick Graham likes to move guys around. He likes to have different options. And by keeping five cornerbacks, five safeties, he's going to have plenty of options to mix and match that group and get the best possible matchups. And especially when they're looking for man coverage, they now have the personnel to play man coverage. Last year, zone coverage was, was a problem. And the big problem with zone coverage as you would, you would probably find, you know, across the NFL, is players sometimes allow too big of a cushion in their zone coverage, thinking that they can make up for it in the, with their speed and their quickness, when in fact they can't. You know, receivers in the NFL are, have gotten a lot better at finding soft spots in the zone coverage, settling down in the zones, soft spots, and, and making receptions. So. The Giants want to avoid that. Usually when a defense plays a lot of zone uh, coverage, it's to pretty much compensate for the fact that they don't have that man personnel. So I just think the Giants defensive backs, and I've said this before, I think that is the strength of the team. Um, the cornerback situation is probably a little bit stronger than the safeties. Um, and, and I say that only because... If Nate Epner does come back, he's more of a special teams guy. Um, not not necessarily a guy who I think you want to see out there all the time. But uh, certainly the safeties are nothing to sneeze at. Ryan Peppers, McKinney, Julian Love, they're nothing to sneeze at. They're that's a good solid group there. And you could see a lot of baked nickel from the Giants this year, where you see an extra safety on the field as opposed to an extra cornerback or an extra linebacker or something like that, that will help with the the coverage as well as in-run support. So really excited to see how that shakes out. But um, again, I don't think there's any doubt that the Giants' defensive backfield is loaded right now. Now that unit needs to stay healthy. That's the big X factor. If they start getting injured or stuff starts happening where players opt out, which I don't think is going to happen this year, but you never know. I think they have until, um, I think they have, I think it's coming up, and I'm not sure the exact deadline, but it's coming up, and players have to decide whether or not they're going to play this year or not. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, I would say at this point, the Giants defensive backfield is the team's strength. Alright, folks, coming up, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints joins the program and we and we will break down the New Orleans Saints, who the Giants will face on the road this year as part of their 17 game regular season schedule, the first year of 17 games. And uh, if you like to bet on NFL games, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Right now, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Head on over to Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Open up an account and use our special promo code On, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked On Giants. And as promised, I'm joined by Ross Jackson. He is the host of Locked On Saints, and he is here to help us break down the New Orleans Saints, who the Giants will see this year on their schedule in the month of October. Ross does a great job. You can follow him over on the Locked on Saints podcast. And Ross, so happy to have you on the program today.
0: Oh, yeah, no problem. Glad to be here with you. And I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm honored to be on uh, two shows in as many weeks with you over with Locked on Giants. I appreciate you having me come through.
1: My pleasure, my friend. Always enjoyed t- talking ball with you. And I'm especially looking forward to getting your take on a variety of different topics here on the New Orleans Saints And Ross, I have a burning question I've got to start the podcast off with. This has just kind of been, you know, eating at me a little bit. I was talking with a colleague of mine the other day, and we were talking about why the Superdome has always been a house of horrors for the Giants, why it's so difficult to play down there. And I know part of it is the sound factor. It's a very loud place. I know I've covered games down there. And Just, you know, trying to hear yourself think is just virtually impossible, especially when the crowd gets up. But what else do you see as being uh, the charm or the appeal that seems to work against visiting teams that come to the Superdome?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I chalk it up to the fan base, honestly. Like, I mean, the, the noise level in the soon to be renamed Superdome, it'll still be the Superdome, but, you know, naming rights have changed. But, uh, you know, the noise level there peaks and it gets incredibly loud there, which makes it really challenging for opposing quarterbacks to get their calls in, whether it be from the sideline or even to communicate changes at the line of scrimmage with their offensive line. And in particular, with the wide receivers who are you know, furthest removed from the quarterback at that point. And so you see a lot of silent counts. You see a lot of uh, these other things that could lead to some miscommunications over for the offense And it's really all due to the amount of noise that you get from the the Houdat Nation, the the fan base for the New Orleans Saints, and the other side of that is that when the Saints are on offense, or even when the Saints make big plays on defense, the audience, the crowd, is hungry for that, and they really, really get behind this team and give this team a ton of uh, mo momentum, I guess you can say, as they uh, continue on throughout a game, and it helps them play that full sixty minutes and show up and continue. I mean, there's there's it's a very, very strong fan base. And so I think that's really the biggest thing that you think about when people, you know, refer to it as the voodoo dome, for instance, and things like that, and how hard it is to play there. It really does come down to that fan base.
1: Yeah, for sure. The Saints definitely have a uh, very passionate fan base and they do make a lot of noise. And hey, listen, it's an advantage for the home team. So can't blame them. But it has definitely been a nightmare for the Giants to play in that building. I think they've lost the last uh, four games that they have played down in that building. Their last win coming on September 19, 2005, a 27-10 victory over the Saints at the Superdome. All right, Ross, let's get into the player personnel Starting with the offense. Now, a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. We've got to start with the quarterback position. Drew Brees has retired. There's an open quarterback competition. How is that competition shaping up and who do you think is going to win it?
0: Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I would say the best candidate is Jameis Winston, but there's a legitimate quarterback battle here between Jameis and then, of course, Taysom Hill, who started four games in place for Drew Brees last year when Drew Brees... Uh, was injured and he had the, the broken ribs and all the other things that, or the, the rib breaks, let me say, and all the other injuries that had piled up on him throughout the season. This is a legitimate quarterback battle for the first time in nearly two decades with the New Orleans Saints since Jeff Blake and Aaron Brooks back before the 1990, 1991 season. So this is a big deal for, uh, for this franchise and entering its new era post breeze. And so uh, I would say right now, my my sort of early look at it here before training camp is that Jameis has the edge because he's, you know, five years of starting experience as opposed to four games. People like to point to, well, they selected Jameis, uh, sorry, Taysom Hill when Drew Brees was injured, but that was actually a part of... The a, a promise, essentially, that Sean Payton made to Taysom Hill when Taysom Hill signed his extension with New Orleans in the last offseason, that before Jameis Winston even showed up, basically saying that if Drew Brees goes out during the season and we need somebody to go in, then that would be uh, Taysom Hill. And so he made that promise to Taysom. Sean Payton came through on that. And now we're looking at a little bit of a different situation and kind of a reset here getting into the 2021 year.
1: Ross, depending on who starts at quarterback, be it Jameis Winston, Or Taysom Hill, how much does the offense change for each guy? You know, especially since, you know, they're both not the same type of quarterback.
0: It's funny. I I think that there are things that are added to the offense, but I think as a as a whole, the offense remains Sean Payton's offense, this hybrid Air Corps yell slash West Coast offense that Sean Payton has continuously developed that's great for scheming wide receivers. I think that if you have Jameis Winston there, then sure, maybe you see some more deep downfield shots because he's got a cannon for an arm, but I don't think that they oversaturate their playbook with taking shots downfield. I think this is still very much a conservative offense that operates close to the line of scrimmage and then utilizes short passing as an extension of the run game to help set up those deep passes down the field when necessary. And when you're able to take advantage of those in strike zones, just beyond the 50 yard line and early downs, for instance. However, with Taysom Hill, the difference that you see there is that you get, you know, mobility, you get a run threat at the quarterback position. So that's going to be the greatest change with Taysom to where you add on to the, again, conservative passing offense that's utilizing that short passing game as a part of the run game to set up bigger plays, but then you also have the added element of the run game with the fact that Taysom Hill can tuck and run himself.
1: All right, let's move on to the offensive skill position players. Obviously, you have Alvin Kamara running back and Michael Thomas, who is coming off of an injury. So let's start with Thomas and and where he is in terms of his rehab and maybe what's expected of him early on in the season. He is coming off a significant injury. So What do you think the expectations are there?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, high ankle sprain that he fought through all of last year, and then he had a little bit of, you know, uh, some off-field things that took place during practice and everything. But at this point, uh, you know, I would consider him still in the bits of the rehabilitation process to make sure that he gets that ankle back to 100%. He played on it when he, under normal circumstances, might not have during the playoffs, just because he wanted to be there to try to help get Drew Brees that final ring before he ended up retiring. Of course, they fell short of that goal. But the expectation is that when Michael Thomas hits the field come you know July 27th or soon thereafter, once training camp begins, that he'll be uh, full speed. But you know, in terms of getting back to full health, we'll have to wait until the beginning of the season to see exactly where he is there. But certainly the goal will be to get him back to 100% to get started with week one uh, in September to make sure that they have this humongous piece of their offense and their ability back on the field.
1: Now, obviously, teams are going to try to stop Kamara. They're going to try to stop Michael Thomas. But the rest of the offense has kind of undergone a little bit of of a change in terms of the skill position players. Jared Cook is gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Josh Hill is gone. Who are some of the names we should keep an eye out on in terms of the skill position players not named Thomas or Kamara?
0: Yeah, so the big battle right now outside of the quarterback position on the offense is going to be at the second wide receiver spot. And by that, I mean the Z wide receiver spot, the Saints options in terms of one, two, three, change with every game and change with every game plan. But the Z receiver or flanker who's going to line up a little bit off the line of scrimmage, you're going to see a little bit of a battle there for what that position is going to end up or who's going to end up filling that position. Traquan Smith, New Orleans Saints draft pick back in 2018, came out of UCF at 19.8 yards per catch that final season. But then when he got to the NFL, they moved him with the Saints over to the slot position. And so he's been learning a new position over his first three seasons. Now he's coming into a contract year and might get an opportunity to be out there on the outside, which would be great for him because that's a little bit more familiar in terms of what he did in Orlando. But also if Jameis Winston is the quarterback, Jameis Winston before the 2019 season had targeted outside receivers 47.1% of the time. That was second most since 2009 during that stretch. And of course, Jameis Winston came in well after that. And so, you know, that type of volume to outside receivers benefits, of course, Michael Thomas, although he does line up in the slot around 40% of the time, but it also could benefit a young guy like Traquan Smith, who's looking to prove himself on the outside. There are certainly some other folks that will be competing for that spot, like Marquez Calloway, the young uh, undrafted free agent that came out of uh, Tennessee last year with the New Orleans Saints. He actually had a great season with the Saints while he was healthy. And in place of injuries and in, in COVID uh, games missed or games missed due to COVID protocols throughout the 2020 year, so his role could expand as well.
1: In terms of the offense and uh, the team in general, but you know, sticking with the offense, there's usually a storyline or a player that's not getting as much airtime or attention as it should be. Uh, what is the X factor, do you think, on offense? The player that's not getting enough attention or, or just... The issue that really is lingering is the elephant in the room that you know the, that the Saints need to to resolve.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we just talked about how passionate the the Saints fan base is, so I I have to give credit to the Saints fan base for really paying attention to everything over on the offensive side. But I would say that outside of New Orleans, the one player that maybe should be getting a little bit more of a look is uh, Deontay Harris. It's easy to look past Deontay Harris because of his stature. I mean, he stands at about five foot seven, five foot eight. Uh, but he's been an all-pro returner. He was an all-pro uh, kick returner for the New Orleans Saints in his first year in 2019 as an undrafted free agent, came in as a you know UDFA and walked out of that season with an all-pro nomination, which is pretty great. Uh, but he expanded his role within the offense going from six catches to 20 catches last year. And there was a lot of rotation there. Now, all of a sudden here in 2021, he looks to be getting a little bit more worked into the offense a bit. So I'd be interested to see what he does because any point where you get him the ball in space, all of a sudden he becomes a returner and he can break a play wide open. It's kind of Darren Sproles-like in terms of what he's able to do, not just his stature, but in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. And certainly the Saints found success with Darren Sproles back at the beginning of uh, Drew Brees' tenure with the team. And I'd also throw Adam Troutman out there as well. The second-year tight end is going to get really thrust into a starting role, essentially a tight end one role. He came out of Dayton, had a great uh, final season there as a pass catcher, came into New Orleans last year, kind of slotted in as the third tight end to help with blocking for the most part because they knew that he could be a good pass catcher, and then they ended up getting him in um, here going into that 2021 season where he, with Josh Hill and, uh, Jared Cook out of the way. Essentially, now he ends up stepping into leading that tight end room.
1: Ross, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, I have to ask you about special teams. I know Will Lutz had some struggles um, at a point last season, which he needs to bounce back from. It sounds like the Saints are going to have a competition at punter. Just overall, it just it sounds like the Saints, um, their specialists are just not settled yet. Can you shed a little light on what's going on there?
0: I think they're a little bit more settled than folks think. Um, I think, yes, there's a punter competition there, but it's going to be Blake Gilligan, the punter out of Penn State. I have very, very little doubt about that. He was one of those guys that came in, you know, as an undrafted free agent and then did a lot of great things during camp and then went to, quote unquote, injured reserve with a, quote unquote, injury for the entire season. And then, you know, so, you know, caught a hangnail at some point and the Saints moved him to IR. And really saved him, stashed him away, and then decided to move on from the best punter that this team's history has ever seen with uh, Thomas Morstead when Blake Gilligan was the only other punter on the roster. They brought in Nolan Cooney from Syracuse, who, because of how poor that Syracuse offense was, he had a lot of uh, experience punting, 74 punts in his final season over at Syracuse, and did a great job with it. But I think Blake Gilligan's going to be the guy there. Will Lutz is looking for a rebound season. You're absolutely right. He was a little bit down last year, but you're also had some, you know, some holder issues last year with Thomas Morstead and his health and things like that, that certainly affected all of that. So I think you would see Will Lutz rebound. One of the big things for special teams, honestly, that we're going to be looking at, this is a team that set a uh, return record or a punt return yardage allowed record for the least amount of punt return yardage allowed back in 2020. But then they lost their star Gunner and Justin Hardy, who signed with the Jets. Um, you know, sharing a stadium with y'all, and so uh, that's going to be one of the biggest spots, and I'm going to be looking to see where the Saints can fill in over on the special team side.
1: All right, Giant fans, plenty more coming up. At Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, as we will turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. But first, if you're looking for a part for your car or truck, check out RockAuto.com's extensive online catalog. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business that has served auto part customers online for over 20 years. They've offered brand name parts for every make, model, and manufacturer at highly competitive prices. You can get what you need for your car or truck shipped directly to your door by rockauto.com. Visit their website today to check out their extensive parts catalog and be sure to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And folks, also, don't forget to check out Built Bar. If you're looking for a healthy, delicious treat to satisfy your sweet tooth, you've got to check out Built Bar. They have nine delicious flavors and nut and nut-free variety and they also have the occasional limited time edition flavors. So when you visit BuiltBar.com, you can get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K ed15 at builtbar.com. Check them out today, folks. Put together your special box and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. All right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Ross Jackson. He is the host of Locked on Saints, and we are previewing the New York Giants 2021 opponents this year. The Giants played the Saints week four down in New Orleans. That's on October 3rd. And God help us all, that place has been a nightmare for the Giants. As I mentioned in the last segment, the Giants have lost their last four games on the road at New Orleans. So they're going to be looking to change their luck a little bit. And, LaRoss, let's turn our attention now to the Saints' defense. And this defense is going to have a very different look. I think you've lost several guys Trey Henderson, Janoris Jenkins, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm uh, Brown, uh, Alex Anzalone, um, I believe Quan Alexander, who had an Achilles injury, I don't think he is signed yet. So this Saints defense is going to have a much different look in terms of player personnel. What are some of your expectations for this group?
0: yeah i think you know behind the quarterback question the entire defense as a whole is the next largest question for the new orleans saints in terms of what is going to be different and essentially what could potentially affect what the rest of their season is going to end up looking like and so uh, i really really look at this defense closely here throughout training camp because you're looking at replacing Three of the top six snap getters on the defensive line with losing Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson. That's losses on the defensive line. He lost Alex Anzalone and Quan Alexander, like you mentioned, on the second level. And then Janoris Jenkins in the secondary. So you have big time losses at all three levels of the defense here. And Quan Alexander was such a huge benefit to this New Orleans Saints team last year when he was uh, traded for just before. The trade deadline and he really locked up the middle of the field and showed how much the saints could improve their defense with an athletic linebacker a sideline a sideline guy that brings a lot of energy like a Quan Alexander is not somebody right now at this moment. That's like that on this roster. And the saints are going to be relying on some young guys to step up at all three elements and all three le- levels of the defense with Peyton Turner, who they took in the first round, Pete Warner, the linebacker at Ohio state they took in the second round. And then potentially even Paulson Adebo, the cornerback out of Stanford, they traded up for in the third. If you're looking at potentially throwing them into situations where they have to be immediate impact players right away, which is akin to the task that the 2017 New Orleans Saints draft class was held up to. But that 2017 draft class is certainly uh, you know, one for the books. Can the 2021 draft class really replicate that? Uh, it's a long shot. So we'll have to see exactly how it is that the Saints are able to really muster what they need from those young guys or potentially more free agents over the course of the season here or the offseason as we get closer and closer to camp to help plug some of those holes.
1: Ross, give us a few names to kind of keep an ear out for guys who are maybe considered sleepers right now, but who have the potential to really blossom into studs for that defense.
0: Yeah, I think Shy Tuttle is definitely one of them. He was an undrafted free agent just a couple of years ago, a defensive tackle spot, came in from Tennessee. He had the big interception on Matt Ryan, where he subsequently stiff-armed Matt Ryan on his way to almost scoring a touchdown on it at another point, which is probably one of uh, Saints fans' best memories of Shy Tuttle and probably is already his career highlight, even this early in his career. Uh, but that you know he's been he's been developing he's made some good plays in the run game he's made some great plays as a pass rusher as well and so i think that he would definitely be one to watch out for because you know as we mentioned before the saints lost Sheldon Rankin's David Onyemata has really really stepped up and actually has made the loss of Sheldon Rankin's feel like it's not as much of a loss because David Onyemata can play both three tech pass rusher as well as a run stopping one tech or nose tackle. And so you get a lot of usage out of David Onyemata. But in terms of who's going to be lining up next to him in the defensive interior with a team that's focused so much on run defense, Shai Tuttle would be the one that I would very much look out for there. And then uh, I continue to watch the way that this team Builds its rotation on the defensive line. So guys, names like Carl Granderson, uh, Tano Passigno, who came in from the Kansas City Chiefs as a free agent signing for the Saints, and then even first round selection, Peyton Turner, who's going to get some rotation love there with uh, Marcus Davenport over opposite Cam Jordan, or maybe even with Cam Jordan, who got rotated a lot more. He played his uh, career low and snap percentage last season. So I think those names are going to be ones to watch on the defensive line in particular. And then I'll just give a quick, quick, quick mention to uh, Zach Bond, who was drafted last year out of Wisconsin as somebody that could challenge Pete Werner as a Will linebacker as a Saints look for a coverage guy.
1: Ross, I want to take a step back for a moment here because the Saints this past offseason had a lot of turnover on the coaching staff. Dan Campbell, of course, went to Detroit, took Aaron Glenn with him. Joe Lombardi left. I know a couple of other guys have left. How much of a concern is that for you uh, following the Saints just knowing that you know you're going to have a bunch of different systems, different teachings, different philosophies. and um, you know in some cases you have new coaches and guys who maybe you have some guys returning from the old, coaching staff, and now you've got this mixture. So, I mean, how much is do you think this is going to be a factor when they start trying to put this all together?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, thing because we've kind of waited for a long time to watch the Sean Payton coaching tree take form, and it never has up until finally – This season. And, you know, it helps when you're coming off of four straight playoff appearances and four straight division wins. I think that that ends up being a huge part of why it's happening right now. But you're right. It's unusual to see, particularly in New Orleans, where you usually see a lot of retention over on the coaching staff. So in terms of some of the names that they've been able to replace those players with, which I do actually think that there are moments to where Uh, spots where this offense or where this coaching staff actually got better. And I think one of those would be the secondary spot where they lost Aaron Glenn to the Detroit lions who deserves very much his opportunity here to become a defensive coordinator, but they replaced him with Chris Richard, who was sort of the, you know, the creator or the leader really from the coaching side of the, uh, the, the Legion of boom over in Seattle. So that's a really good, uh, replacement for a guy like, um, for a guy like Aaron Glenn, and you know that's a position where the Saints have question marks in terms of who's going to be that starting corner opposite Marshawn Lattimore. And then, of course, with the off-field arrest, or excuse me, the off-season arrest for Marshawn Lattimore, could he potentially end up missing time early on in the season as well? So I think they've done really well there. They uh, kept Ryan Nielsen, who is their defensive line coach, that he was going to be hired as the uh, defensive coordinator for LSU, but there was a little bit of a. Uh, kind of a clash that took place between Ed Orgeron, the coach there, as well as Sean Payton, because Ed Orgeron didn't really pay Sean Payton the respect of giving him a call and letting him know that he wanted to hire Ryan Nielsen. So Sean Payton kind of jumped in, gave Ryan Nielsen a big raise and made him his assistant head coach to keep him in New Orleans. So pretty good uh, situation for Ryan Nielsen there. And then uh, in terms of the quarterback coach, the big one here after you lose Joe Lombardi to the to the Los Angeles Chargers, become the offensive coordinator there, his second run as an, as an OC, they end up moving Ronald Curry, who was operating as the Saints running back coach last year. They move him up to the quarterback coach. And my understanding, in terms of folks that I've talked to about that, is that that's a move that the Saints were potentially looking at or finding some way to continue to elevate Ronald Curry anyway, and he is a bit of a uh, fast-growing, shining star amongst NFL coaching circles as well. So he'll be a name to kind of keep in mind moving forward as well.
1: Now, Ross, I know it's early, but I want to turn the attention to the Giants-Saints matchup that's coming up. Obviously, both teams have to get through training camp. The rosters aren't set. But based on the direction that the Saints are headed and based on what you know about the giants Offense and defense. Where do you see the biggest headache that the Saints can create for the New York Giants?
0: I think the biggest headache is going to always start in the trenches. I mean, the Saints have done such a phenomenal job continuing to build their trenches, and actually, just earlier before we recorded this, the you know the Saints end up signing Ryan Ramchick to a historic uh, historic extension, keeping him in the building through twenty twenty six, and making him the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. And so I think that the offensive line, their zone blocking scheme and Alvin Kamara are such a deadly, deadly combination in terms of what they're able to do. And uh, it's going to be something to where like this, we're talking about this game, er, which is early on in the season where you know, you're know you probably going to lean on the run game a little bit more while these quarterbacks, whichever one ends up winning, ends up settling in. And so I think that that becomes the part to where the Saints can do the most damage to their opponents is going to be up front and then creating uh, some confusion as well as some potential setups for themselves to be able to fire down deep and take advantage of teams that are getting worn down by the run game.
1: All right, Ross, final question. Again, I know it's early, rosters still have to be set, but if you had to identify one marquee matchup, whether that be a unit versus a unit, an individual versus an individual, or maybe even you know coaching versus coaching, I mean, where do you see that one marquee matchup that you think could potentially sway the game either in the favor of the Saints or in favor of the Giants?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I got to tell you, I think that that tight front defense that Graham has started to really, I mean, we've seen other teams start to try to replicate it now. I mean, the the Vikings for sure have, I mean, I know they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson last year, but they've started to you know, sort of replicate that tight front defense. And I think that's something that could give the Saints some headaches because they don't face that front very often considering that, you know, six of their games are up against, you know, defensive uh, you know, d- uh, division opponents who don't play, you know, any type of odd front and certainly don't play a tight front as well. So that I that's going to be something to really keep an eye out on and i think for the saints A big part of the challenge here early on in the season is going to be how, I mean, this is an early, early test for the secondary and what this second cornerback situation ends up looking like for them. I mean, you know, bringing in Kenny Galladay, having, you know, drafting Kadarius Toney, who was one of my favorite receivers in this draft, and then retaining guys like Sterling Shepard. Then you add Kyle Rudolph, who's given the Saints headaches before in the past. I think it's going to really be all about how the Saints defense and the passing side is going to be able to hold up because God forbid we have another 2015 game. Uh, where these quarterbacks are going five, six touchdowns each in the Superdome, which I guess I wouldn't be entirely mad at, but you know I'd rather see a little bit more of a level, uh, level-headed level competition that doesn't mean that you have to outscore what your defense gives up on either side. And I think the, the Giants defense has done such a great job over the past couple of seasons, and I really love what the defensive coordinator has done there with this team. And so for the Saints, it's about winning in the ground game to allow them to be able to set up to control the clock, control the game, control the momentum, and be able to take those deep shots at they set up, if they're not able to do that, and they could be in for a long day if the defense is having some trouble early on in the season.
1: Fantastic stuff, my friend. Before we let you go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And I uh, I always love uh, being able to come through and have these conversations with you. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh, if anybody's interested, you can follow me over at Ross Jackson Nola, N-O-L-A on Twitter. You can catch the Locked On Saints podcast every Monday through Friday, of course. And I'm also on Tuesdays on a national Locked On NFL show and then the Sunday morning pregame show as we continue that as well over on uh, the Locked On Network on Twitter, as well as Locked On NFL Pods.
1: And Ross does a fantastic job, folks. So, do check him out if you have some time. And also, make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. You can find that podcast wherever you find your podcasts, including on the Odyssey app. Folks, I want to thank you, as always, for listening to the Locked On Giants podcast. We are back next week with all new shows. We'll continue our position unit previews. We'll have guests to preview some of the Giants' opponents. We will remain on a summer schedule, so we'll be coming to you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. So hope you'll tune in to the Locked on Giants podcast. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.